welcome to Risky Business 2. I'm Patrick Gray. RB2 is brought to you by Symantec, a company staffed exclusively by people in yellow suits. <laughs> so thanks to them for making this podcast and all of its lame jokes possible. In this edition of the RB2 podcast, we are chatting with Declan Ingram from the security consultancy Securus Global about an interesting report that was recently released by analysis house Forrester. It was commissioned by Microsoft uh, and RSA and was intended to assess the data security practices of North American, European and Australian enterprises by surveying their CISOs. Forrester sought to understand, and I'm going to quote from the report here, the value of sensitive information contained in enterprise portfolios, the security controls used to protect this information, and the drivers of information security programs. Also, the cost and impact of enterprise data security incidents. The key findings of the report, which is linked to from the Risky.biz website, were secrets, what they term as secrets, comprise two-thirds of the value of firms' information portfolios. Uh, And interestingly, compliance, not security, drives information security budgets. So people don't do things because it's the better way to do things. They do things because they have to. It's the carrot or the stick. Perhaps a little bit disturbingly, the report also found that CISOs do not know how effective their security controls actually are. So Declan joins me by phone to discuss the report now. And Declan, there are some surprises here and, and other bits of it, you know, it seems pretty elementary. When I first read the report, I thought, well, look, you know, this makes perfect sense because, you know, an IT security manager can bang their head against the table and say, look, you know, give me a million dollars to secure this because I say it's a good idea. Or they can point at a document and say, we need to, com- we need to comply with this, so give me a million dollars and I'll make it happen. I mean, you know, you, hopefully the end result is going to be the same, that they're going to get, you know, the right systems and processes in place and they're going to be, you know, more secure. That you know, you're going to take the path of least resistance. But then as I was going through and reading the document in more detail, one of the things that they, they listed as being compliance was that 70% of organisations said that they were spending their compliance budget um, complying with their own internal security policies. And I sort of looked at that and scratched my head and went, well, duh, because when an organisation is implementing a, you know, a security program, they're going to go through, they're going to look at the top at their risks and everything else, and then they're going to mandate the policies and procedures to do that, and hopefully the organisation is going to follow those, and, and that's going to be a part of their internal compliance. So I think it's sort of a misnomer for the fact that they've even sort of gone out and, and said that, and then said that, you know, a part of people's compliance is their own policies, because it's sort of, you know... Well, you know, you draft your own policies to match the external compliance regimes that you have to adhere to. Exactly, yeah? as, as well as, you know, just sort of general good practice. And they didn't differentiate between that. So I thought that that was, you know, I thought that was something which was interesting to note. Yeah, look, they introduced a concept in the, in the report which I found kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, they noted that people are spending a great deal of money protecting data that they are custodians of, uh, yeah. stuff like credit card information and, you know, healthcare information, things like that. But they're not doing enough to look after what these guys term as their secrets, which you sort of uh, got, got at before. It's a, it's a slightly odd way of terming it, isn't it? A secret. You know, they're talking about these enterprise secrets. Yeah, look, I, I sort of, uh, at first I did struggle with the language that they'd used for that. But I think that the, you know, the core principles of what they're doing really is, is, is kind of sound. And one of the things that came out of it for me that I found really interesting is the fact that they said that the secrets were underappreciated. 
within the organisation. And if you think about, you know, your general security manager, they're having a hard enough time getting system patches, you know, making sure that the infrastructure itself is sound, making sure that, you know, new web applications that are being deployed are not, you know, leaking whatever details and, and, and information sort of left, right and centre. And when you think about, I mean, the way that they define secrets as being, you know, sort of corporate information, intellectual property, etc., that's going to be drawn all over the place in emails, in documents, in wikis, yeah. in all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, there's DLP and there's all this sort of other hoo-ha coming out that the organisations can use. But fundamentally, I mean, the security manager is going to pick the fights that they can win. Yeah, and that's going to be, hey, let's look after the customer data, not you know, we need to protect any single mention of our super secret formula that's going to challenge Coke. Exactly, exactly. And I think that the other thing to consider also is that most large organisations will struggle to tell you, you know, what physical systems they have on their network, let alone the specific information that might be in some developer's well, email. you know, interesting that you bring this up because, you know, this, this report, it was done by Forrester, but I believe EMC uh, and RSA had a hand in it. So it sort of makes sense because, you know, information management is all the, you know all the rage with those guys but you know uh, the other thing that strikes me too as being a little bit odd is one of the reasons people don't necessarily find the need to protect certain elements of their intellectual property is because there are other protections for intellectual property like patents and things like that exactly yeah absolutely um yeah i mean the, the security manager doesn't necessarily have um, the powers in place to protect against a, a, a rogue employee, um, you know, taking information away, printing off a document and walking out the door with it, taking it to a competitor when they leave. Yeah, but that's, for the, that's one for the legal department. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. I, exactly, exactly. So, you know, there, there, are, there are legal implications. There's HR. There's a whole heap of other functions within an organisation um, that can protect against these particular sort of, you know, threats of intellectual property walking out the door. And I think that whilst the, you know, security department might be, you know, implementing these policies and potentially managing systems that might be put in place to assist, I think that um, to say that that sort of should all fall under the reign of the security manager, I think, is probably a little bit a little bit too much to ask. I love how you keep referring to the security manager. It makes it sound like it's some critter in the wilderness, you know. <laughs> what... Pray tell, Declan, what sort of markings does the security manager have on its forepaws? <laughs> uh, whatever's convenient for the business at the time. <laughs> Good answer. Now, one thing that, you know, that, that this made me think of, this report, it's kind of curious because they say that people are spending money on security for what they, they have deemed the wrong reasons, right? The right reasons being they should spend money on securities in order to secure stuff. This made me think of the poster from the last KiwiCon conference, which uh, you know said hackers don't give a shit about your risk register, that it's too critical to patch. All of these sort of key things mm. that we hear in business that it's, it's absolutely true, isn't it? The average hacker doesn't give a shit about your compliance regime. They give a they give a shit about what they're going to get out of your network and how easy it's going to be. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's the reason why we still have lots of security problems now. Mm. Um, do, you, do you think, I mean, this is just, I'm just throwing this out there, but do you think a lot of this new language that's popped up around security, around risk management, and it's become a big risk management discipline, and it's all about having a risk register and identifying assets, and there's all these buzzwords, and there's, all, there's this new language that's popped up, and people have got new things on their resumes and stuff, and it seems the industry is just growing really fast. I mean, you and me, we've been around it for a little while. Would you say that that language is sort of masking to an extent, our inability to, to actually 
do it right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that you're right there. Um, uh, but fundamentally, you know, the core concepts behind the language is sound. I mean, you have to know what you're protecting before you can protect it. Um, you know, you have to understand what the risks are across your organisation so that you don't sort of suffer from threat fixation and, and try and fix everything with, you know, the wrong sort of technology, or the wrong sort of ideas. But I think that a lot of it comes down to, you know, poor implementation. That's, that's one of the things that the report sort of, you know, really drew out, I think, which was interesting. I mean, you know, the, the concept that they brought up about these sort of, you know, organisational secrets and the fact that we're only protecting, you know, custodial data that's not ours, that belongs to other people when we're not protecting our own data. And I think that, you know, I mean, that is driven by compliance. It's, it's driven by, you know, potentially legislative problems, etc. But it's also driven a lot by how organisations talk to each other about the potential security breaches. I mean, we had, you know, Google recently coming out and put their hand up and say, yep, we've been pwned. Um, and that was, you know, very different because the thing that was quite significant about that is that many organisations, you know, US, etc., data disclosure laws have come out and said, yes, customer data was breached, blah, blah, blah. But it's not all that common and an organisation comes up and just says, yeah. They owned our source code. <laughs> Run for the hills. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's why many organisations, because, you know, it's the threats that you know. You know, it's, it's sort of threat fixation mm. where after an organisation gets, you know, attacked through a web application, they'll go out and they'll look at all their other web applications and say, oh, my God, we have to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And, yeah, and then they and, have the tightest web code on the planet, and meanwhile, all of their IE5 browsers are getting popped. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so things like, you know, I mean, uh, asset lists and, and proper risk management and all this sort of stuff is, is trying to cover all of that off. Um, but, you know. But it's kind of just spreading, spreading everything a little bit thin, isn't it? Well, that's what comes back down to the compliance thing. And, and, and the other main finding of the report is the fact that compliance drives security, not security for its own sake. Mm. Mm, indeed, indeed. You know, it's funny that you keep talking about this um, this fixation idea. Uh, are you familiar with the concept of target fixation in motorcycle riding? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's basically when you focus on something so hard you wind up riding straight into it. Yes. Is this something that you are familiar with? <laughs> uh, yes, yes it is, and just make sure it's not a tree. Yes, how's the leg, buddy? It's sore. Okay. <laughs> Declan Ingram, thank you very much for joining us on the show, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks very much, Pat.